There's a story in Luke chapter 24. If you want to turn in your Bible, you can. Luke 24, there's this uh, interesting story. Jesus had been crucified and laid in a tomb. And all his disciples were running for their lives because they were afraid the same things were going to happen to them. So they were hiding out in an upper room with all the doors closed, windows barred. And the rest of the disciples went home, discouraged, distraught. Their hope had been taken away. And there were these two unnamed disciples. We don't even know who they are. One of them, we know his name is Cleopas. The other one, we don't know. And they're on the way back home. And they're talking about what they had just seen in Jerusalem. And their hearts are heavy. And they're discouraged. You ever talked with someone who's discouraged? Discouragement is contagious. People who are discouraged discourage everybody else around them. And so they're talking about this discouragement on the way. And this stranger that they've never seen before comes along and joins them. And they begin together going down the road toward this town called Emmaus. And Jesus asks them some questions. You know, what? Why are you looking so sad? Why are you looking so troubled? It's the stranger was Jesus, by the way, but they didn't know it. Come on. He's risen from the dead, and he doesn't look like he did before. And he asks him the question, why are you so sad? You ever had Jesus ask you that question? Because if you're sad and discouraged, he'll ask you the question. He'll make you stop and think about the why. Yes. And then... He began talking to them about the scriptures. The only scriptures they had were the Old Testament. And he began talking to them about the scriptures referring to himself, referring to Jesus, who's going to come to this earth, die a horrible death, paying the price for our sin, which deserves a horrible death. And as he began talking to them, something happened to them on the inside. That's where we're going to pick up the story in uh, Luke 24, and I'm reading in verse 28. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going farther. But they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it's nearly evening, the day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, And began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened. And they recognized him. And he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other. Were not our hearts burning within us. While he talked with us on the road. And opened the scriptures to us. Wasn't our hearts burning within us. He's not talking about acid reflux. He's not talking about that kind of burn we have all experienced. He's talking about a different kind of heartburn. Something on the inside. It's like you just feel like it's swelled up. It's full. You've had an encounter with Jesus that changed your life. We're talking about that kind of heartburn. And I'm reminded, and in the Old Testament... When the Israelites were wandering through the wilderness and they didn't know where they were going, 
They didn't know what was ahead. They just didn't understand what was happening. They were led every day by a pillar of fire. Remember that? Fire by night, cloud by day. It's the Shekinah glory which represents the Holy Spirit. This was the Holy Spirit was leading them back there in the Old Testament in a visible way. Now, the Holy Spirit doesn't lead us in a visible way today most of the time. It's through these impressions down in our heart. Down in our heart. That's why we need to have our heart burning down inside. We need to have the fire of the Holy Spirit down on the inside. This is the good news of resurrection. Easter is all about Jesus raising from the dead, which gives us hope that we can rise from our death. So I want to share a couple things about that kind of fire. Not a fire you burn in your fireplace or out in your fire pit, but the kind of fire Jesus puts down on the inside. Fresh fire. Fresh fire. Because stale fire goes out. It needs some fresh air to get it going again. Here's the first thing I want us to see. Fire creates a hunger. We read this in, in verse 29 here. I read it just a minute ago. But they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it's nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. Fire creates a hunger. Stay with us a little bit longer. We like what you're saying. We like to hear what you're, what you're giving out. We like this. Something makes us feel warm inside. It makes us feel complete. It fills up something that's been hollow and empty. We like this. We want to hear more of it. Would you stay with us just a little while longer? If you've been born again and filled with the Spirit, you know what it is to have that, that heart burning on the inside. Yes. And you want just a little bit more. Yes. The reason we Christians keep coming back week after week after week because we want to hear more. Yes. Because we like that feel. We like the sensation of feeling like we've just heard from God. God's given us some clue to some difficulty we're going through. It creates that hunger. Have you noticed that smells create hunger for you? Sometimes I'll be, I'll be down in Restaurant Alley there in Auburn with my window down, and I get hungry because I smell all those burgers frying, all that smell. Smell makes me hungry. Sometimes I get home after work, and I'll walk in the door, and immediately I'll smell meatloaf. My wife's got meatloaf in the oven. It makes me hungry. It's like, it's like when a dog smells food. You know, his saliva glands begin working. He starts drooling all over the place because it, the smell creates the hunger. <clears throat> I don't know about you, but I'm hungry for the Word of God. I've been preaching it for how long? I just, I just, I've been watching God touch people's lives. And I just calculated this in my mind today. I got saved 50 years ago, half a century. And I've been watching people's lives changed one by one by one by one ever since then. It lights my fire, excites me down on the inside. And I know we all want that kind of fire. Recognizing the power of God lights a fire inside of us. When you hear a story, what, somebody, what God has done in somebody's life, it lights a fire inside of us. When you reflect back over what God has done for you, it lights that fire. 
And you may feel like, well, it's been a long time since God did a miracle in my life. Don't ever forget when he did. Come on. Don't ever forget because that he, he, he works a miracle in our lives, but he won't do it every day because he expects us to walk in faith. Yes. Do what he's called us to do. And some people will only serve God if they can get a sign Come on. or a wonder or a miracle. Then I'll serve God. He wants to test us to see if we'll serve God when the fire's grown cold. Come on. Yes. Good work, Pastor. Good work. So recognizing the power of God in this, in this world lights a, a, a fire. It creates a hunger inside of us. Here's another thing that creates a hunger. Anointed preaching. There's a difference between preaching and anointed preaching. That adjective makes all the difference. Preaching is declaring the word of God. That's a wonderful thing. Anointed preaching is when the word of God relates to you today. And it breaks through the crust. It breaks through the, 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 uh, the, the, the worldly stuff that fills our minds. It breaks through and gets right down to our heart. Sets our heart on fire. Yes. When I was a brand new Christian, my wife and I were, in, were, were heavily involved in this church in its forerunner days when it was the Waterloo Church of Christ. We were heavily involved. When the Sunday night service was over and they said the final amen, we were out the door. Because we only had a little bit of time to get in our car, drive all the way down to Fort Wayne, because we were, we were also going to a church down there where there was anointed preaching. It wasn't just declaring the truth. The Holy Spirit was breaking through. And we'd get there too late for the worship, and they had great worship band. We'd get there too late for the cathedral quartet, which, which was there often. But we got there just in time to hear the word. That's why we went. It lit our fire. And I would hope and pray that when I give you the word, it lights a fire inside of you. So you can't wait to come back and hear it again. That's anointing. Makes us hungry. Gives us an appetite. Hunger creates an appetite. And here's another thing. Spiritual gifts. Spiritual gifts create a hunger in us. You know, when we think of spiritual gifts, we typically want to run and hide because we're, that, that, that's something we don't understand, we're a little bit afraid of. But spiritual gifts is simply the Holy Spirit working through you and me. Yes. Yes. It's, it's someone speaking a word of truth to us that by accident pierces through and gives me a word from God. They don't, they don't know they're giving me a word from God. It's a gift flows through them. Spiritual gifts. It creates a hunger for God's word. And God's word is where the life is. We need to get back to that. So that fire we're talking about creates a hunger inside of us. Here's the the second thing I want us to see that the fire does. It's in verse 31. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. Isn't it interesting? He stayed with them. As long as was necessary, and as soon as they recognized him, he disappeared. Isn't that something? Come on. Jesus likes to hide from us. He's real. He's there. He wants to interact. He wants to light our fire, but he likes to hide from us. He wants us to pursue him. Come 
He wants us to seek him. And as Jesus said, seek and ye shall what? Find. If you, want to, if you want this encounter with Jesus, you got to press in. You got to seek for him. You got to, to find it. Because fire produces a spiritual awareness. Spiritual awareness that you don't get in your workplace. Spiritual awareness you don't get in the classroom. Spiritual awareness most of us don't see very often in our families. But a spiritual awareness that God is there even if I don't see him. Even if I don't see those demons, even if I don't see those angels, they're all around me. Come on. It creates spiritual awareness. You can get a glimpse of Jesus. You see, that's all these mess disciples got was a glimpse. They didn't know it was him. They listened to him and went on and on and on with his teaching. They listened to what he was saying. But as soon as they recognized him, he was gone. As I look back over my life, that's kind of the way it is with me. I have a personal relationship with Jesus, but he only gives me glimpses every now and then. Is that true with you? Only gives you glimpses every now and then. Just enough of a glimpse to make you want to get a better look. Press in a little bit more. Search him out a little bit more. He hides, but we can still see him. He hides in the strangest places. But he still shows himself, just a glimpse, because he wants us to take a second look, go a little closer. I'm reminded of the parable Jesus told. The kingdom of God is like a man who was walking through a field, and he discovered a treasure in the field. And he was so excited about the treasure he had found, he had, he had a heartburn. He's so excited about the treasure that he went back, sold everything he had to come up with the assets to buy the field so the treasure would be his. This is an example of our Christian walk, yours and my, our Christian walk. We discover a truth and we decided to abandon everything we've got and put all our investment into that truth. That's Jesus, risen from the dead. Here's the third thing about that fire. It opens the word of God to us. I remember I I became a a, a Christian. I had an encounter with God in in an apartment complex. And uh, my apartment was in the upper, upper level, the upstairs. And I had one room and a bed and a chair and had to share the bathroom with a couple other renters up there. Uh, and that's, that's where I met Jesus. It wasn't a very fancy church building someplace, just a, a rooming house. And I had this encounter with Jesus that changed my life. I said a sinner's prayer, and I felt something lift off of me. It was just unusual. I just felt some freedom as I asked God to forgive my sin. I didn't understand very much of it, and I was convinced that there wasn't a resurrection. I mean, that didn't make sense to me. You see, I was logical. We, we Americans, we're educated, we're logical, and there, there cannot be a resurrection from the dead. My logic couldn't get that down here. But I believed in Jesus, and I could see the world was dramatically changed because of Jesus, and I was changed because of Jesus. But I couldn't put it all together. And so I began reading the Bible 
And I started, you know, where do you start with any book? You start at the beginning. So I started with Genesis. And my mind was so perverted when I, when I got to that part about uh, God, said, God said, let us go down and see. So I thought, well, there's nothing there but the animals. Adam wasn't created yet. There's nothing there but the animals. So that is proof God created man through evolution. See, my mind accepted that because everything was logical to me. I was trying to put the pieces together. But about a year later, I had another encounter with God at Steve Hauser's house. And I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Shook me to the core. I sat in a chair and shook and cried like a baby as God was cleansing all this sin and unbelief out of my life. I still didn't believe everything I believe today. See, I had to sort everything out. I had to work it all out. I'm a logical thinker. Makes me a good teacher. Maybe not such a good Christian, but a good, <laughs> good teacher because I'm logical. Trying to put the pieces together. So Jesus met them and talked with talked about himself from the Bible, and the only Bible they had was the Old Testament. So I can see he probably, he probably talked about the first five books of Moses. You know, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. And I don't think he was teaching them a history lesson because these were Jewish believers. They already knew those books. By the time he got done talking about them, it was very clear that the Passover lamb was Jesus Christ. Yeah, yes. He's the one who had just died on the cross. And maybe he talked about the historical books. You know, the Old Testament has some amazing historical books that, that talk about the early history of, of Israel and God's relationship with man. And maybe he, maybe he went to the story of David and Goliath. Everybody loves that story. You know, this young kid who says, how dare you insult the armies of God? Picked up a couple rocks and went out after this giant who had a great big sword and he had armor all over him, this great big bully boasting about how great he and his country are. Little David picked up a stone, flung that thing, missed his armor, hit him right in the forehead, knocked him out. David ran over, and I might not have said this last week because we had kids in here, but now they're in the children's ministry, took his own sword and cut his head off and picked his head up and let everybody see it. Victorious. And then, and I, you know that's obviously the story of Jesus having conquered Satan. And then he got to the legal books. You know, the Bible's got some law in it. You know, God says, thou shalt and thou shalt not, over and over again, trying to give direction for people. And he set up this religious system. And maybe he talked to these Emmaus disciples about the goat, the two goats they would bring out. And one, they would lay their hands on and pass on their sin into the one goat. And then they launched him out into the wilderness who knows what would happen to him? Maybe a lion would get him, maybe not, we don't know. But the other goat they kept behind. It represents the scapegoat, Jesus, who died for us so that we could be free. Maybe he told that story. 
And then you know the Old Testament has these poetic books. I love reading the book of Psalms, the Proverbs. Maybe he got into the poetic books. And we don't know where he went when talking about the poetic books, talking about himself. But very likely he talked about the 23rd Psalm. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. That's poetic about my relationship with God. And then, you know, he had to have talked about the prophets. Because the Old Testament has got multiple prophetic books that talk about what it's going to be like in the future. Maybe he talked about that because he had to get to the point about the soon coming king. And the prophetic books are full of the soon coming king. First, it paints an ugly picture about judgment on the world. And then it talks about the king coming back. Jesus is coming back again. Did you know that? I don't know when he's coming back. But we're close enough, I, I better stay ready. Amen. So fire opens the word of God. What I'm, what I'm trying to communicate with you is if you, you, if you have the fire of the presence of God inside of you, the fire of the Holy Spirit, you can get out the Bible and look anywhere you want and find Jesus in it. Yes. But he hides, so you have to seek him out. You have to read through it and say, you know, what could this, what's this saying to me in the church age? What's this saying to me now? And it's full of it. It's full of life. Okay, here's the fourth thing I want us to see this fire does. It generates a story to tell. The Bible is full of stories. It's stories about how God intervened in this person's life, how God delivered that person, how God gave hope to somebody else, how God led and directed a whole culture of people. I want us to look at verses 34 and 35. And saying, it is true, the Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. Then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. They had a story to tell. They couldn't wait to tell it. They had to tell somebody. We're like that. That's human nature. If you've had some wonderful thing happen to you or some horrible thing happen to you, we tend to want to sit down with a trusted friend and tell them about it. We want to tell them our experience. We want to tell them how it went. We want to tell them how it made us feel. That's a story to tell. The Bible is full of people telling the story. Paul told his story of his encounter with Jesus on the Emmaus road, or excuse me, on the Damascus road, his encounter with God. He told that story three different times in the Bible. He kept telling it. Because people could say, I don't believe what you're saying. But nobody's going to say, I don't believe your story. You tell them your story. You tell them what happened to you, and nobody's going to argue with that. They'll argue with your theology, but they won't argue with your story. So tell them your story. He lit a fire inside of them. And they couldn't wait to go tell it to somebody. If God has lit a fire inside of you, got to go tell somebody. Before I was in full-time ministry, I worked in a factory. And there was a revival in that factory going on. Steve Hauser was one of the folks that worked there with me. Larry McCann was another one that worked 
worked there with me. And maybe, maybe some of you others, I forget who all I worked with back then. But it was local. And we had this thing going. We knew that Jesus wanted to save every soul in that place. And so we recognized this was our task. This was our assignment. And it wasn't anything structured, although every now and then we would go to somebody and we would go to another Christian in the place and we would say, we need to pray for so-and-so because this is happening in his life. You know, we would pass that on. But it became a little uh, Holy Ghost thing that we were doing. We would share with one another, pray with one another, and watch God I would say something to somebody, and the next thing you know, Steve Hauser would say something to them, and somebody else would say something to them, and it was all settling in. There was, a, there was a move going on in their life. And I want to encourage you, if you work at a God-forsaken place where no, nobody cares a thing about God, you are in the right place. God's put you there for a reason. Tell your story. I remember going, I was, I was working, you'll, Steve will appreciate this, I was working at this one bench and I was assembling hydraulic pumps. And there was another one in another, another room and there was a big doorway and out, there was another work area over there and I, over there they did this horrible kind of hydraulic pump, it was terrible to work with, I did not want to go out there. And they had this, a tester right next to it, you know you have to take hydraulic pumps and put them under pressure to make sure they don't. They don't leak, and they, they do what they're supposed to do. And I, they hired this guy, long-haired hippie. And, you know, you work around hydraulic pumps, and he was working the tester. He always had greasy hair, oil all over his hair all the time. And he was the most foul-mouthed man I have ever seen in my life. I mean, he couldn't say one sentence without four-letter words coming out. And I remember hearing him go off and was angry about something one time, and I prayed. I said, Lord, don't let me work with that guy. I, I don't want to work with him. Don't, don't ever tell the Lord that. Don't ever pray a prayer like that. Because it wasn't very long before the foreman said, we need you to go out there and work on those pumps. And I knew, I knew, God, you set me up. I don't know how to talk to a guy like this. This guy is so angry. He is so full of evil. I don't want to talk to him. You're going to have to give me the words. So I went out there, and I thought, well, if God doesn't give me the words, I'll be happy. <laughs> so he, he took off with his profanity, and I, re, I remember I, I put my tool down, and I looked at him, and I said, do you, do you have a home church that you go to? Fear and trembling, I asked him the question. And he looked at me, and he began telling me a story. He began telling me a story about he, he's from Bryan, Ohio, and he worked, in a, worked at something over there. I don't, I don't remember what he was doing. But he, he got in trouble. He went to a coffee house in Bryan, Christian coffee house, and they led him to the Lord. And he had a genuine experience with Christ. And I thought, you did? I don't see it. You did. And he talked about how then he got entangled in some drugs, and he got in trouble with the law. Then he got in trouble with the law again, and he got in trouble with the law again. And when you're in trouble with the law and you have trouble with drugs at the same time, that's not a good, not a good mix. 
And he talked about a broken relationship and started crying, telling me about his broken relationship. And I thought, God, I didn't, I didn't say anything except I asked him a simple question. <laughs> but the simple question brought it out of him. And I found out that everybody can ask a simple question and it draws something out of people. That evil, that hurt, that pain, once they get it out, the healing can begin. I don't know if he ever did anything with that, but I prayed for him and he rededicated his life to the Lord. And I'm fortunate the foreman didn't come around the corner and take a look at us while that whole exchange was going on because that was God's business. If he'd have come, I would have stopped, but God has a way of just setting it up just the right way. Now, I don't know if he continued living that or not. That's not my responsibility. My responsibility is to get him to take the first step. What he does with it after that, it's in God's hands. So, fire is contagious. If you have fire inside of you, you can spread it to somebody else. It's like a... This is, this is a good season for grass fires. You know, there's a lot of dead grass out there. And if it starts, it'll sweep across a, a cornfield, sweep across uh, a, a, any kind of a field where it's dry stuff. It just keeps spreading. You've got to call the fire department to get it out. Wear yourself out trying to put a big fire out with a shovel because fire is contagious by its nature. It just spreads. And the Holy Spirit fire inside of us is contagious. It just spreads as long as we don't contain it. If we contain it, it'll stay right with us. We'll go to heaven at the end. Jesus will smile at us, but we won't have spread it. I want to spread it. I want to pass the fire on somebody else. How about you? It spreads from one another, and it spreads from one generation to the next. The reason we're here is there was a previous generation talking to us, passed it on. Thank God for the previous generation. And now what we need to do is focus on the next generation. We have to focus on these young people because they're going to be the future leaders of the church. Where are they going to take the church? And I want to be one of the old crowd that fans that flame for the new crowd. I don't ever want to say, well, that's not the way we did it. You have to do it my way. No, you don't. They got to do it their own way. Come on. And I want to be their fan in the flame. Amen. You know what makes a hot air balloon rise? Fire. Hot air. Hot air rises. Fill that balloon up with hot air and it will rise. I don't want to say my preaching is hot air. <laughs> but I want to give you something to rise. I want to give you something that lifts you up. I want to give you something that gives you hope. I want to give you something that lights your fire. So all of us need to be thinking about this while the worship team's getting ready to sing this last song. And you at home as well, think about this. Has your fire gone cold? Because we can, our fire can go cold. Every fire will go cold, you know, if you just give it time. So we have to keep restoking it. Peter says, stir up the gift within you because it gets cold. If you want that fire, you have to stick a poker in it, lift it up, let that air get underneath it, and then the fire will burst back into flame. 
it'll combust again. But you got to stir it up. So church, stir it up. Stir it up. Don't go to sleep. We're in the last days. Jesus is coming back again. He is risen so that we can be risen. Those of you at home, I want to encourage you to make a challenge. Jesus, light my fire. I want to encourage all of you. Jesus, light my fire. Restoke it. Fan the flame. Breathe on it, Lord, which is what the word spirit means. Breathe on me. Heavenly Father, breathe on us. Help us to breathe in your life. Help us to rekindle our fire and help us to pass that on to someone else this Easter. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.